Hey, Bucks fans, make sure you go follow one of our sponsors, Split Ticks. Follow them on Twitter at S-P-L-I-T-T-I-K-S. So what is Split Ticks? Well, you're able to reserve sports, concert, and other event tickets with a small deposit and pay off the rest in a flexible payment plan before your event date. So make sure you take advantage of that. And because you're a listener of the All Things Bucks podcast, you're able to use promo code All Things Buccaneers. Use that promo code and you will get a 10% discount on your purchase. Hey, and remember, go Bucks. Welcome back to the All Things Bucks podcast. It's your co-host, CJ. Follow me on Twitter at CoreyJ863. And your co-host, Corey Hayes. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Corey underscore Hayes 407. Corey, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still high off that victory last weekend, man. It was just a great overall performance by our team. Like, they put it all together finally, and it showed on the field. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm still on a victory Monday, and today is Thursday, so it, it's a big-time high for us going on a two-game win streak with this team. The way that they played last week, I think they can build that momentum and carry it forward. No, they really can. Um, they definitely got a lot of things they can build off of. Winning the turnover battle, four interceptions in one game, JPP, 11 and a half sacks on the year, timely and great timely blitzes, uh, Levante David coming back. Backup cornerbacks and safeties making plays. It was just a great performance by that defense. Making stops when they needed to make stops. Once upon a time, a few weeks ago, we couldn't depend on the defense to make a stop if it was a flea coming by. So it's just one of those things where they got something they can build off of. Duffner has settled in into the coordinator role as the defensive coordinator. And it's showing on the field. Yeah, it's definitely showing on the field. And I wanted to touch on Duffner a little bit since you mentioned him. Yesterday in his press conference, he had to say that you have to adjust the scheme to your players, not your players to the scheme. So I felt like that is common sense. I feel like anybody in this world would know that. Mm -hmm. Except for Mike Smith, apparently. But the way that Duffner is adjusting to play to the player's strengths and not the other way around, I think it's absolutely wonderful right now. Absolutely. Like, to be honest, he's. I think that was a a little petty remark from, from Duffner. Because you say that, and that's exactly how it should have been this entire time. But Mike Smith, I guess he was sipping on the Lovey Smith Kool-Aid, trying to force his scheme to work. Like, no, what the players do well, you should know because you watch them every day at practice. You have all of their old film on what they can do, what their abilities are, and you need to scheme around their abilities, put them in a position to be successful. And it's showing. Yeah, I definitely, when I saw a film on the game, I saw a lot more press coverage than I'm I'm used to seeing with the Buccaneers defense. And that's what a lot of our players thrive on. They thrive on press coverage. Um, we're running a bunch of stunts up front with our D linemen and our linebackers, which is exciting to see because Mike Smith didn't run many stunts but Mark Duffner Mark Duffner is pulling everything out the bag um, we saw last week when Javian Elliott got the interception Elliott was a spy and he he acted like he was going to go up but as soon as uh, Cam Newton threw the pass he dropped back and he picked him off so there's just a bunch of different things that he's doing that is working now and that's what you got to do you got to disguise coverages you got to play mind games and you got to get pressure 
and and the pressure was there by the defense. I love watching the defensive line um, make plays and push the push the offensive line back and have those stunts as you mentioned. JPP, he's a force to be reckoned with. Via Vea, once again, we're gonna always say this: the stats are not going to pop out like eye candy, but his impact on the field is felt. The offensive line feel his impact. He's pushing back the center. He's taking on double teams. He's showing that strength in the run game. Jared McCoy, he's being the same old Jared McCoy, and he has help. So he's out there still making plays. It just doesn't seem like he makes as many plays when the team isn't doing that well. But Lord behold, once the team's doing well, oh, McCoy's balling. No, he was always balling, but you just didn't recognize that he was always balling. And Carl Nassib, Carl, help me out with my finances, bro. Because, man, you out there killing it and getting the dividends. And he's out there making plays, too. What a great pickup. And I'll definitely be watching them on Sunday in this game against Drew Brees. Yeah, um, Carl Nassib, huge pickup for us. Picking him up off of waivers. I guess nobody else wanted to claim him, so the Bucks were able to claim him. And he has, what, five and a half sacks on the year right now? Five and a half sacks for Carl Nassib, six and a half for Gerald McCoy, and 11 and a half for Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, our defense is thriving right now. I saw a stat, and I mentioned it before. Our defense has uh, 24 sacks in the last seven games under Duffner, which is absolutely amazing because last year we had 23 sacks all season long. So something's working right now. And mm-hmm. and like you said, you're going to be watching it on Sunday. So will I. I will be in the stadium this game. I will hopefully break my losing streak with the way that our team is finally coming together and playing. Um, also coming down to the game is Kellen, the founder of All Things Bucks. Kellen will be there. We will be at the What the Buck tailgate early in the morning. So if you guys listen to this and you're going to the What the Buck tailgate, say what's up to us. Um, we'll be hopping around. We'll be hooking up with Phil Schwegler, who's also a big part of All Things Bucks, and also over at Full Press Coverage Buccaneers. So go ahead and give them a look as well, Full Press Coverage Buccaneers on Twitter. So, yeah, pretty much the whole All Things Bucks crew is going to get together this weekend for this game, and hopefully it's worth it. Hopefully we come out with a W. Yeah, uh, let's keep this two-game winning streak and extend it to three. I will not be in attendance this week. Uh, last week actually probably was my last game to attend. Uh, just due to work and due to traveling that I'm doing for the rest of the year. Um, but it was great to, to to get that win last week. I hope uh, everyone who is traveling, Corey, everyone who's traveling for the game for the Sunday, everyone have safe travels, have fun, take a drink for me as I will be on the clock cheering us on from the convenience of my house and... Yeah, it should it should be a good one. It should be a real good one. Yeah, it definitely should be a real good game. And like I said before, we're all going to be getting together. And hopefully we'll be as loud as they were last week for the Carolina game. Every time Mo Bamba came on the stadium, the stadium was getting loud. It was getting lit. I loved hearing it on TV, and I hope to see that same energy when I'm in the house. Yeah, I can I can attest to that. Once they play Mo Bamba, what is it, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba? Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Every time they played it, the stadium got hype. And you could see the players out there hyping the crowd up. And it, it, it was great, man. It was great. And you could feel that energy. It was like, okay, they're going to make a play because they playing Mobamba. And, and that's the same thing that's happened on Sunday. Same thing. More Bucks fans in the stands. Get out there. Cheer them on. And hype the team up. And I, I don't think they will let us down 
if we go out there and we do our job as well. Yeah, the last time I was in Raymond James Stadium was week three against the Steelers for the Monday night football game. CJ, you were also in attendance for that game. I was there. Um, our, crowd, our crowd was not as riled up as they were this past Sunday for the Panthers game. So I just hope to see everybody show out and show the Bucks some love. And hopefully we can rally them to another W as they're on another two-game win streak like they were before the Steelers game. Hopefully this time it'll go over the hump and we just continue to win. And also, they're going back to our favorite uniforms. They're wearing the all-red color rush uniforms once again. Uh, my Cause, My Cleats week is continuing. It's the whole month of December, they said. So players will have the red jerseys, red pants, and their Cause cleats on once again. Yeah, that uh, that uniform is, is beautiful, man. And I really hope the organization takes a deep look at going to that as the primary uniform for the team, like, just, like, don't make this harder than it actually is. I don't know why the NFL and, and the organization makes it so much harder than it actually is to pick a uniform. Like, the fans love the uniform. It's simple. It's easy for them to market. As a matter of fact, they don't even have to market it. Just say that's the uniform, and we're like, oh, got to go buy jerseys. Like, give the fans what they want. We're the ones consuming and buying it. It's not going to hurt your brand. It's actually going to help the brand and make that the permanent uniform change. What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. Exactly. Make that the uniform. Yeah, Tom Bassinger on Twitter keeps mentioning it. The Buccaneers contract five years of the same uniform is up after this season, so they can make the uniform change that they wanted to. Um, fans loved seeing the Color Rush uniforms last week, and the Buccaneers heard them. And they also want to continue the, I guess, the superstitious ways. So that's why they're wearing the uniforms once again. And they might as well, like you said, just keep them the rest of the season. Yeah, might, might as well. Definitely. All right. And on that note, let's go ahead and hop into talking about the Buccaneers and Saints matchup a little bit. So we're going to start talking about the kickers. Both of the kickers in this game are very solid kickers. Cairo Santos has missed one kick on the year. He's 8 for 9. And, of course, in a Buccaneers uniform, he's perfect so far. So keep it up, Cairo Santos. Keep going perfect this weekend. And Will Lutz. Will Lutz has missed one field goal in the year. He's 23 for 24. So both teams have solid kickers. So this game may come down to the kicking game. It just it just may. Um, if for fantasy purposes, hey, these are two kickers. They're highly accurate, and they're – can help you out in your fantasy playoffs. So take a look at both of these kickers. For sure. Uh, Cairo, keep it up, man. Hey, I have no no stress when you're on the field. My heart is calm, cool, and collected. And every time you go out there for a kick, I'm just like, oh, he got this. Let me sip my drink. And it's all and it's good. Right down the middle. Not it's not um eking by. In the pylon, not the pylon, what with the upright, it's going right down the middle every time he kicks it. And it's going to stay that way because I believe in Santos. I believe in Santos. We all believe in Santos. There we go. So, hey, it should be, it should be exciting. We shouldn't have to worry about our kickers this week. And moving on. <laughs> so let's go, let's go ahead, Corey, and dive into the. Where are we going? Into the New Orleans Saints offense. Drew Brees and companies coming with that high-powered offense. And you, we all know, because we see Drew Brees twice a year, we see him twice a year for the past decade, and we all know what he can bring to the table. 
And not only that, they have a dual running back crew with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. One guy can can run and catch. The other guy will ground and pound. And it creates so many different mismatches that that offense can exploit against uh, any defense in the league. So what are the numbers that they've been putting up so far this season, Corey? The Saints offense on the year is sixth in the NFL in total yardage at 396.6 yards per game. Drew Brees on the season, 290 for 384, 3,262 yards, 30 touchdowns, and three interceptions. And you know the thing that stands out to me about those interceptions? Two of them came against the Cowboys defense last Thursday night on Thursday Night Football. So... Drew Brees, through 10, 11 weeks in the season, had one interception. So that speaks volume about how great of a quarterback he is. Like you said, we face him two times a year. We've done it for the past decade. So we know exactly the type of player that Drew Brees is. Speaking on his running back tandem, Alvin Kamara has rushed for 742 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's also caught the ball for 555 yards and four touchdowns. Mark Ingram, who started the year on a four-game suspension, has 467 yards rushing and four touchdowns and 135 yards receiving and one touchdown. Their leading receiver, Mike Thomas, on the season has 1,129 yards and eight touchdowns. Mike Thomas did not participate in practice on Wednesday, so that'll be something to keep an eye on going into the game on Sunday with an ankle injury. So if Mike Thomas does sit out this game, that'll be huge for our defense because they don't have really any other receiving options besides Mike Thomas. Benjamin Watson, their tight end, has 313 receiving yards and two touchdowns on the season. And Traquan Smith, the rookie from UCF, has 371 yards and four touchdowns on the season. He's good, though. He's good. He's very underrated. He's really good. Absolutely. He's a rookie, so there's really not big expectations for him. But him and Mike Thomas, if Mike Thomas is able to go, that is a nice one-two tandem that you're going to have to look out for. For sure. For sure. Every every time they step onto the field, um, and it's not going to start with stopping them with the secondary. It's going to start with stopping Drew Brees and taking them off his spots um, in the trenches and in the pocket. That's what's going to help us contain those receivers because if you give them time they're deadly on the field and they and they will hurt you they will hurt you so um, my focus this game and keys to the game matchup for the game will be getting Drew Brees off his spot uh, so that our defense can have an opportunity to make plays and to make stops against this high-powered offense. You mentioned a key to victory already, and I agree with you on that one, CJ. Uh, my key to victory would be to get pressure to Drew Brees. Drew Brees is an undersized quarterback, so it's hard for him to see over the offensive line and the line of scrimmage. So if you get pressure to him within two seconds of him getting the snap, like we did against Cam Newton, like I said in the preview podcast last week, then you will force mm-hmm. Drew Brees to make bad throws, even though he is a Hall of Fame quarterback, he, sure he still does. makes mistakes, and the Cowboys exploited the Cowboys exploited it last week on Thursday night. So hopefully we can exploit it as well. And I think we definitely will because we've shown before that we can exploit uh, some of Drew Brees' tendencies and how to the Tandy get, Man. And the Tandy Man can man that game. What it was two years ago with that interception to close out the game. That was a great. That was on the five. That was on the five game win streak. That that time. 
Yeah, that that was a great game to be at. So we've done it before. This organization is is not new to a Drew Brees uh, passing offense. So they, hey, the Drew Brees, they've had a week and a half to get ready for this game, but that doesn't matter because we play them so much. So it's just gonna come down who can execute the best in this game and who can who can make the most plays. Yeah, we're going to have to definitely get in his face and get in his face fast. I'm expecting JPP to be shot out of a cannon like he did last week against the Panthers and Cam Newton that one play where the tackle was looking at the ball to be snapped. And by the time the ball was snapped, JPP was at Cam Newton already. Yeah, man, that that was a great play. It was just like the, the tackle was like, what the hell just happened? Because it happened so quick. Um, and, and that's when you have great players. They do great things, and that was one of the really good plays uh, from last Sunday. Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and talk about their defense now since we've touched on their offense a little bit. Their defense on the season is the 16th total defense in the NFL. They give up 354.7 yards per game. Demario Davis is their top tackler with 87 tackles and two fumble recoveries. Von Bell has 61 tackles on the season. Marshawn Lattimore, their top cornerback, has 44 tackles, three fumble recoveries, and one interception. Marcus Williams, their other back, has 41 tackles, one fumble, and two interceptions on the year. And Alex Anzalone has 43 tackles, three fumbles, and one interception on the season. So they have a lot of guys in their defensive side that can make plays as well. But like you said, we play them twice a year. And we beat up on them week one in New Orleans. So we know how to go after this defense, especially if their defense plays single high safety on Mike Evans. If they go single high safety on Mike Evans, that'll lead for guys like Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin to go deep down the middle on them. Even Bobo Wilson, if Bobo Wilson is activated for this game, use his speed to his advantage and, and take the deep shot like we did with D-Jacks week one. Yeah, we're going to have to. Um... With their defense, even though they're middle of the pack overall, they're actually number one in rush defense. So if it comes down to a game where it's going to be worn on the ground, which that may happen, early weather reports is showing rain in the forecast for Sunday. And once it's rainy weather, you're going to get more, more ground and pound rather than airing it out to protect the football. And so going against the number one rush defense, um, that's something that that we will have to you know prepare for. Hopefully, we can get Peyton Barber going. Um, we we play them twice a year, so there's going to be opportunities for us to to exploit their defense. Even though they're number one in the league, they still play us twice a year. And Ronald Jones, young man, please show up. Please show up. I mean, we got thank goodness we got Peyton Barber running hard and making plays, but. Yo, time time could be coming for you to show up. This could be it because they wouldn't expect it. They're going to expect you to come there and get two yards to carry. But, hey, let this be the game where out of your five five to eight carries you get, you make the most out of them because the opportunity, if it rains, we'll be there because we'll be running the ball a lot. Yeah, you mentioned that rain is in the forecast for Sunday. I was looking at the forecast as well. It looks like early Sunday morning when people will be tailgating is when it will be raining. Around game time, it is supposed to clear up. So we'll see We'll see if the weather forecast changes on Sunday. But as of now, it doesn't look like it's going to rain as much during the game. It looks like it's going to thunderstorm before the game. So we'll see exactly what happens with that weather forecast. And as for Ronald 
Jones, you mentioned that it may come down to him and Peyton Barber. Ronald Jones on the season has 23 carries. Um, ATB member Ashley pointed this out on Twitter, and I went and looked it up, and she was right. It's not like he's had many opportunities to run the ball so far. So we'll see what happens with our run game. Like you said, the Saints have the number one rush defense in the NFL. So our running attack is going to be key in this game if weather is bad. And sp- Continuing to speak on the offense of the Bucks, the Bucks offense are still first in the league in yardage per game, 442.7 yards a game. Jameis Winston on the season, 157 for 232, 1,941 yards, 12 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. So it's good to see his TD to INT ratio has jumped up because... In the beginning of the year, he had those bad games, including that Cincinnati game where it had his TDs less than his interceptions. So it's good to see that the past two games, he has rebounded and he has jumped up in that ratio. Peyton Barber on the year has 635 rushing yards and four touchdowns. We mentioned it on the recap podcast. It should have been five touchdowns. Referees kind of screwed him on a touchdown in that game against the Panthers. But Peyton Barber is a hard rusher. I noted it on Twitter this week. Somebody posted a video of Dalvin Cook running and having to get few yards for how hard he was running. And they were like, is there anybody else in the league that is just like Dalvin Cook that has to work for his yards as much? And I said, yeah, Payne Barber. Payne Barber has to do it every single game. Because by the time he gets the ball in the backfield, the damn offensive line, well, I should say the right side of the offensive line, is (laughs) touching him already. So, yeah, Payne Barber has to work for his yardage every single time. Except for when he runs to the left side. If he runs to the left side, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, and Ryan Jensen just pancake the defense. And they take them wherever the hell they take them because they're out of the play. And every time it seems like Peyton Barber runs to the left, he gets 10 or more yards. So that that's something that I'm looking forward to seeing if he can do it against this Saints defense. Uh, Mike Evans on the year has 1,121 receiving yards and five touchdowns. He's on pace for um, over 1,500 yards, and he had a monster week one against the Saints. Let's see if he can have a monster week 14 and make Marshawn Lattimore his bitch once again. Um, (laughs) Adam Humphreys has come up clutch in the last five weeks, five touchdowns in five weeks. He also has 606 receiving yards on the season. Chris Godwin, your boy, the number two wide receiver on the Bucks, Rod God. He has 676 receiving yards and five touchdowns. Um, when that other receiver, who I won't name on this podcast, is in the game, it, it gives Chris Godwin less opportunities. But when Chris Godwin has more opportunities, he shows exactly what type of potential he has as an NFL receiver. Hell, on some rosters, he'd be their number one receiver. So we're just blessed to have him as our number two receiver. And Cameron Bray, our, our valued tight end in the red zone, has 221 receiving yards and four touchdowns on the season. Yeah, that's some serious balance right there. Um, with the with your your second, third, and your your tight end, your receiving core, five TD, five TD, five TD, four TD, like that that's that just shows the ball is getting spread around. People are getting opportunities, and we have to continue to do that. James has to continue to spread the ball around just to mix it up. But one thing I want to say, if the matchup is there. For Mike Evans to dominate Lattimore or if Chris Godwin has a great matchup and he's just putting the work and the moves on whoever's covering him, 
Keep feeding them the ball. Don't stop doing what's working. Like, if it's working, keep feeding them. Like, I understand other people need the ball. It'll it'll probably be PJ. It'll probably be PJ Williams guarding Chris Godwin. Yeah, if, if Chris Godwin is eating him up, I'm, it, it's just gonna be a ten plus catch day for Chris Godwin. Get that boy the ball. Simple as that. So we saw we saw what he could do in space last week, where he broke off that fifty yard reception across the middle from Jameis. Mm-hmm. He he's got breakaway speed once he gets in the open field. So yeah, uh, just continue to do that for sure. I see it with other teams all the time. You see it on the Rams. Okay, it's Robert Woods Day. Robert Woods get ten catches. Oh man, he balled out today. Okay, it's um Brandon Cooks. It's Brandon Cooks Day. Brandon Cooks goes off for one fifty, has eight catches. Like, look, make it Chris Godwin Day. If he's out there and he has to match up, it's Chris Godwin Day. He get eight catches. Okay, so whatever's working, you exploit that, you attack it until they decide they want to stop it, and now they're slacking in another area, and then you attack that area. That's what you do. That's good coaching, Dirk. Absolutely. That that is 100% good coaching. And the last two weeks, I think we've seen that from Dirk Cutter. I think we've seen improved coaching. And I believe that the improved coaching has happened because he knows that his job is on the line. He knows that uh, we were three and seven two weeks ago, and we've beaten two teams in a row that have had defenses in the middle of the pack. So it's it's like okay my job is on the line i got to make better coaching decisions and i got to have better play calls i got to help todd munkin with these play calls so let's do what's smart and let's just continue to execute on offense yeah for sure i mean we've seen this story before though where we had a rocky beginning of the year or middle of the year and then it seems like every single season right and we try to rally at the end some impossible odds like our odds now we have to, first of all we have to win out with any, any chance of getting to the playoff well i i wouldn't say we have to win out just yet i'd say we could win three out of four and we could still make the playoffs very slim but winning out would be our best chance at making the playoffs they gotta win again they gotta win out <laughs> i mean if three and four is super super slim but but jpp jpp has said it that they're taking it week by week now and every single game is their playoffs and i love that mentality because it seems like it's rubbing off on the other players now so um i think that veteran leadership between jpp and gerald mccoy is finally coming into play uh, especially on our defensive side of the ball because they're rallying together they're doing more things together i mean why didn't you do it in the beginning of the year why didn't you all get together go to dinner every week like you're doing now come out of the tunnel together it's like it's camaraderie between each other it's a brotherhood why didn't you do it in the beginning of the year but i like i said i still love that they're doing it right now because right now is when it matters the most down the stretch and if it continues to help them win then keep on doing what you're doing fellas I completely agree. Completely agree with you. And since we were talking about the defense, let me go ahead and and touch on them before we get into our key matchups for this game. Bucks defense, once 32nd in the league, then we went to 29th. We are now 27 total defense in the NFL. We just keep on moving up like the Jeffersons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Buccaneers are giving up 395.4 yards per game. So that is an improvement from the 440-plus that they were giving up at one point and the 35 points per game that they were giving up at one point. Now they're giving up 29 points per game. So like you said, we're moving on up, moving on up. Go ahead, get them vocals out, Corey. Get them vocals out. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, um, Levante David is our leading tackler on the season with 83 tackles. He has one fumble recovery and one and a half sacks. We saw last week um, Levante David coming on some blitz packages. It, it's great to see when Duffner is utilizing him to his strength. And Levante David, in my opinion, is one of the best blitzing linebackers in the NFL. He is the most underrated linebacker in the NFL because we run a 4-3 defense. So Levante David does not get as much notoriety as guys like Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. So again, Levante David is key for this defense and I'm glad we got him back last week. And let's just continue to build off of your momentum from last week with those 12 tackles. Uh, Jordan Whitehead, our rookie safety, is stepping up big on the season. 60 tackles on the year. He was thrown into a starting safety job after Chris Conti went down with that injury that he played through and he got stiff-armed through um, but that's another topic for another day I don't have hate for Chris Conti but like I said Jordan Whitehead has stepped up huge as a rookie being thrown into the fire right away Jason Pierre-Paul we mentioned him earlier with those 11 and a half sacks on the year I think that he will get another one this week, or at least half a sack. Our defense will converge on Drew Brees and continue to get that pressure that Duffner has them getting almost every single time the quarterback drops back to pass. And then Andrew Adams, the hero of last week's game, 15 tackles and three interceptions on the season. So Justin Evans looks like he may be done for the season with a toe injury as he had a walking boot on yesterday yeah, in practice. And he came back too soon. It looks like Andrew Adams... Yeah, it looks like Andrew Adams is going to step into that starting role because Isaiah Johnson also is injured with a concussion. So Andrew Adams can build off of that big performance last week and just continue to play some good, good football. And that's that's all we ask from these guys is that they continue to play their good, good football. And since we're talking on our defense still, Brent Grimes is back at practice. Carlton Davis is back at practice. MJ Stewart is back at practice. So it looks like our secondary is healthy again, minus Justin Evans. But we'll see what Duffner decides to do and who he decides to play the most in this Saints game. Yeah, the defense, man, hopefully they can continue to to put the pressure on. That boost by Levante David coming back, especially when he got that blindsided sack on Cam Newton. Man, I didn't even see it. I was at the game. I didn't even see it happen. All I just saw was boom, sack. I was like, what? <laughs> but it and it it was it was great to see him coming back, playing healthy, flying around to the football. Um, shout out to the the secondary players, Andrew Adams, Jordan Whitehead. Those guys really, really balled out, and I expect to see the same type of performance from them this upcoming week against Drew Brees. JPP. 11 and a half sacks. I think he can hit 16 by the end of the year. I think he's going to have opportunity Sunday and really have opportunity the following week, but we won't get ahead of ourselves. We're focused on this week. Um, but they, they're, they're, they're putting it together. Duffner got those boys excited because he's putting them in opportunities to have success. D-line are getting their plays called where they can stunt and, and rush the passer the way they want to. The, the linebackers are having opportunities to blitz and, and to, to make big impact plays, drop back into the coverage where they can get tips and possible interceptions and helping the defense uh, get the ball back. So it's there. It's there for the defense. I think they will continue to improve. I mean, the numbers were so awful in the beginning of the year that it's going to be hard for them to, you know, to get out of the, the, the mid-20s um, in ranking. But... 
long as they can continue that, I mean, I don't see any way they don't improve to at least low 20s overall with this surge that they have. So I, I'm looking forward to watching the defense on the field, actually more so than the offense um, this uh, upcoming Sunday. Yeah, we're still talking about the defense, so I just wanted to mention, like I said before in the podcast, in our last seven games, they have 24 sacks, which is good for second in the NFL during that time frame. They are third and third down conversion, giving up one-third every single time that the team is on the field in the game. So that that is also a big improvement as we were... 30 to 32nd in third down conversion. We have also stepped up in red zone defense. So that is another big positive that this team has under Duffner. So like you said, you think that they continue to bring the momentum, and so do I. I think that they step up big once again against Drew Brees. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. So, Cora, what is your key matchups to watch on Sunday? I have one for each side of the ball. My first one is, of course, Mike Evans against Marshawn Lattimore. We'll see if Mike Evans can dominate Marshawn Lattimore once again. I'm looking for him to have at least 75 yards receiving and a touchdown in this game. And then on the Saints side of the ball, I've got Alvin Kamara against Levante David. Levante David is going to have to fill those gaps to go after Alvin Kamara when he's coming from the backfield to catch the ball and to run the ball. So he's going to have to spy him all day long. Yeah, for me, I, I, we talked about it earlier. Um, it definitely will come down to our offensive line uh, getting a good push and opening holes for our our running game, so they're gonna have to take on that defensive line, the number one rush defense in in the league. So I want to see opportunities where they can exploit them and to make plays. The second key matchup will be on the other end of the um, the field, our secondary versus the receivers for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we spoke that it's gonna take the D line to get the pressure on Drew Reese to get him off his spots, but that also because everything goes hand in hand. On the defensive side, um, they're going to have to cover long enough so that the defense can get there and make those plays. So I'll, I'll definitely be watching um, the secondary and the defense and stopping Drew Brees Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched on it just now, like we said earlier in the podcast. Get pressure on Drew Brees. That is a key to victory for me. Pressure in Drew Brees' face because he is a short quarterback. You get pressure on him, then it's going to be hard for him to see over the line to throw to his intended targets. So just get in his face. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback eventually, yes. But get in his face and force him to make bad throws. And then another key to victory is is no turnover Jameis. The last two weeks, Jameis has no turnovers. Visor Jameis, you got to keep it up, baby. Keep going with no turnovers in the game. Yeah, the turnover battle will be crucial once again uh, because we were on a record-setting pace with negative. We were at negative 24 <laughs> on the year, but uh, these past couple weeks we've we've been positive uh, with four turnovers, and then what it was plus three last week, and then plus two the week before. So yeah, so we're we're moving on up in that category as well. Yeah, we're definitely moving on up, and that's going to be a huge key to the game. And then also, keys to victory, game management. Especially if the weather uh, or the field condition is not as hot uh, and good as it should be, it's going to come down to 
game management. It's going to be a field position game, and it's going to come down to making the right calls, making the right plays, so that we can win time of possession, get ourselves in position to score, even if it's just a field goal, and win the game strategically, sometimes more so than physically. Yeah, that that is definitely going to be a key to the to victory for our Buccaneers. We're going to have to control the clock more than anything. You control the clock and more than likely you're going to win the game unless you turn over the ball. So, just control the clock, control the ball, be turnover free and we win this game. For sure. So, I think that about wraps it up, man. We got a couple of days until game day. So, Watch the Thursday night game. It should be a low-scoring affair. <laughs> uh, nice defensive game. I'm expecting from the Titans versus the Jaguars. And hey, everybody, safe travels. Have a good time this weekend before it comes to the game. And on Sunday, you know what time it is. It's go Bucks, baby. Absolutely. It's go Bucks, baby. And I can't wait to be back in Raymond James Stadium rocking that place. Let's go Bucks. Let's get the win. Go Bucks. <laughs>